very pleased to know what they think they're doing. I think they're all insane. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Hidden Perspective. This is Rob Greco. It's good to be back. In this episode, Jules and I have a discussion about Melbourne's most recent lockdown, which at the time you're hearing this could very well be over. But nonetheless, it's an interesting discussion where at times Jules loses the plot. So without giving too much away, let's get into it. Yeah, so you guys got thrown into another snap lockdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> spoke to my brother and, and Rob about this at, at dinner last night. And we were <laughs> lockdown dinner. Finally <laughs> <laughs> have dinner few, together again. Uh, I've been I've been I've been driving them mad. <laughs> I've definitely reached I've reached some kind of uh lunatic outsider political perspective. <laughs> but I've lost all faith in democracy and <laughs> What I've absolutely lost faith in is like feeling like you know all of the story mm. and that you actually know what's going on. Like mm. I feel like the only rational explanation is that you you don't you don't understand yeah. what's going on. The pandemic. We can maybe go to my. We can go for like Alex Jones more, if you want to. <laughs> we can go to my more extreme views. <laughs> maybe at a later point, but to start with, I'll, I'll try and sound really reasonable. <laughs> uh, I'll try and sound really reasonable. So he, here's what I think is reasonable. So these lockdowns started happening what about twelve months ago, maybe longer than that, and every indication has been that there's going to be more short-term lockdowns, right? Because right. we understand that hotel quarantine isn't foolproof. There's potentially good evidence to level against state governments that they could be doing a better job with hotel quarantine, mm-hmm. which is a separate argument. Important to acknowledge, though, they could all be doing it in separate facilities and all the shit that the doctors fucking want. Anyway... So we know hotel quarantine isn't foolproof, so we're yeah. going to constantly go back into lockdowns. Why hasn't there been established framework between the federal government and state governments so that people's wages get rescued during these fucking lockdowns? So that's mm. what so there should be some sort of income insurance for businesses that are literally forced to shut and don't have any way to pay casual <coughs> workers. Why yeah. hasn't that infrastructure been put into place? Things like mental health and things like financial stability, you know, it's all well and good for Frydenberg. I think today or tomorrow he's going to fucking announce some sort of federal income support for Victorians because we're probably going to be in lockdown for three weeks. Mm. But it's trapping people in this level of insecurity. Mm. It makes people sick and it fucks people up. So, you know, like I – it should it's be very, very clear. Yeah, it should be very clear that if you're if you're forced, you're forced not to do business. There ought to be some type of compensation for that. It's Acknowledge not straight away. Yeah, and it's straight not, away. You know. Yeah, it's not like, like a protectionist argument that oh this this industry is struggling because of automation. It's not that entirely. It's literally the government <laughs> compelling you to shut down. Um, you know, if, if the government if the government uh, forcibly acquires your property, 
under the constitution, they have to compensate you. It's 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 equivalent to that. Yeah, and let's be clear what where where the government has uh, an interest in in helping the economy and where it fucking doesn't. So where it does is it provides in its budget some astronomical tax break on, on with instant asset write offs. Right. So Rob, you're, you're the you're the accountant slash lawyer slash whatever. <laughs> I, hope, I hope not. <laughs> what's what's the uh, w- w- explain the instant <coughs> asset write off? So an instant asset write-off. Well, my understanding is the full amount, the full amount of any asset you purchase can be instantly one hundred percent. The value of that can be used as a uh, something to reduce your tax income by one hundred percent of that amount. All right. So an example would be. I'm like a broke-ass, starving restaurant because I'm constantly suffering lockdowns. Mm-hmm. I could choose, oh, now's a really good time to, you know, buy a new grill and a new fridge. And right. I could, I could, and then I'd be able to deduct $20,000 against and my tax, right? The important caveat of that is I think, uh, I believe, I, I haven't actually looked into this one, but the instant right of nature is that, that typically you have to depreciate over over a certain number of years. So you might have to depreciate the equipment over 10 years. I believe what this is doing is it, it's front-loading that. So you get a even larger tax break. I, I believe that's what's happening, not 100%. But yeah, so, so it's a... So yeah. If you need a tax, so first of all, I would probably say that from a macroeconomic perspective, that's going to be, I would say, effectively um, stimulatory, I reckon. Like that'll that'll generate spending for companies that have the opportunity to maximize from that right. benefit for sure. Yeah. Would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I think if you were trying to just if, – if your aim was to just boost like the overall economy, that's – I don't know whether it's the most effective, but I think, you know – I think a lot of economists would like it. It means that you're incentivizing capital investment. It means mm. um, that's a good. This is a good thing, right? When and, we have and, locked and, and more supply side, right? So you know the idea behind it is that there's going to be more investment because it's going to allow more funds to be available to invest in equipment and equipment is going to increase the you know supply curve to the right in like the fancy terms there's going to be more production it's more supply side and there's also some demand side but yeah go on yeah so and when and when we when we uh grab these kind of levels of of tax breaks that the government has brought has brought forward we're talking unbelievable amounts of money Right, so we're talking like in terms of like its relative size to the budget, the biggest deficits in history and stuff. Like most of this was done through, through these broad, these yeah. really broad macroeconomic. What do you mean? I thought the policies. Liberal government was a small government party that that respects fiscal responsibility. <laughs> now, what the Liberal Party does is pretend to be generous in how they're helping businesses during this pandemic but actually give an enormous amount of tax breaks to the big end of town and increasing their opportunity to profit, uh, as most of them have have actually been doing during this period. Mm. It's really fucked up because Mm. the amount of money it would cost them to have been provided casual workers uh, and, and hospitality industry, music industry, proper income insurance or like kind of lockdown insurance, Mm. some sort of mechanism that just 
you know, protects all the all the, all the shifts you lost and just protects the business, you know, some sort of just supplementary amount during mm. these one, two, three week lockdowns would actually protect the industry, you know? Mm. So if you're a festival, you apply for all of your grants, you do everything by the book, you're totally COVID safe, but then your state goes into a lockdown and everyone who was working on that project loses a shitload of money. Don't you want to protect the longevity of your music industry? Why yeah. don't you just have something something actually actually targeted, designed to protect the obvious businesses that are clearly getting massacred? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. that that tax break for instant asset write-offs, Rob, is a slap in the face to like people whose industries are getting destroyed right because it's like if you're a gym owner and you're on the brink of collapse do you really have the you know the wiggle room to take out another loan to invest in all this equipment that's going to save you money anyway you're probably not in that financial position anyway what tax do you have to fucking ride right off against you've sustained nothing but loss right you're you're not paying tax you're not you're not paying tax because you're not making any money you're struggling to pay rent this is this is a fucking disgrace rob like it's literally there are a set of policies that are not interested in small businesses. Why hasn't you know this Liberal Party that's supposed to care about small businesses? They're a fucking piss take. Mm. You know, it's like mm. all all these restaurants they should, <clears throat> if we want as a society we want to keep restaurants. All these music venues, if as a society we want to keep music venues, all these. Uh, festivals, if as a society we want to keep festivals, um, all they need potentially is just guaranteed to be compensated to some degree with some level of certainty for the two, three weeks they get shut down. Yeah, yeah. Or in the case of a festival, given some sort of insurance <laughs> so that they've got enough guaranteed protection that they can reorganize the event. Like just just get in there and actually help. And you might say, oh, what role does the government have in, in – in uh, in intervening in the economy so much, well that their level of responsibility to intervene in the economy goes up when they're destroying the economy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> like, the government like, is the yeah. reason these companies are going fucking yeah. broke. You know, yeah, you and- can still be you know pro free market. And believe that when the government literally causes harm through its regulation, that it should have to compensate people for that harm. It has to compensate people. It's, yeah. This is outrageous. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if, if I was if I was a serious business owner that had been, you know, destroyed from this, you know, oh my uh, gosh, I'd be, you know, you'd send you'd send your <laughs> loss for the year. So, you know, if you're a small business, typically make I don't know, let's call it 200k in profit a year, and now that's turned around one, you, you know completely so you're making a 200k loss it should be a 400 400k bill that gets delivered at a combination of the state and federal government's doorstep to get that compensated they should they need they ha- there should be some framework it should be pretty simple it should be like all of these restaurants all of right. these music venues they and should have would, had to it would be much like, more efficient Rob, it, they've had twelve months. Why? As if you couldn't have got yeah. every restaurant and every 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 ve- venue in Melbourne to have like been submitting their fucking tax statements or yeah. whatever, and you come up with some kind of measure, and they just as soon as these things get announced, they know, oh, good. At least this money's coming in for rent. At least this money's like, yep, I'm taking a fucking hit. Yep, I've lost my stock. Um, 
all these bands about the council, all this shit, yeah. but here's this amount of money that I know is coming in because we're on this program designed to keep businesses in play. Yeah. Why well, weren't they – Why? as if we couldn't have – what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. Be a yeah, little bit it, inventive yeah. and, and actually – Look at the areas of the economy that are going that are going to shit, and you can't protect everyone in a downturn, right? It's not so. I understand there's a limit to to you know if you were a business that was already uh, in trouble, you're fucked, and you probably need to go, yeah. you know. But wh- like, what do people want? What do people expect to happen? Do people expect all these people to just be in po- like in poverty or something? They're going to close yeah. down. So are people just are people happy for the industries to die and then hopefully come back? Is that what people want? I don't I don't I don't understand as Victorians how you can't be empathizing and feeling frustration for restaurants and right. for you know for venues. I just and yeah, and that that effect gets gets amplified because casual workers disparate well. impact of the businesses that are COVID safe and the businesses that aren't. So what what has happened throughout the pandemic is you know tech companies and companies that haven't been impacted actually being benefited because when people are locked down, the only thing they can do is purchase stuff on Amazon or yeah, buy food you know, read, from the big supermarkets or and- re- read ads on Instagram or Facebook. Like th- these people have not only got a stimulus because you know people have been constricted in where they can spend so they spent their money elsewhere but then the other the other bit it's a double whammy because then the other businesses aren't even getting compensated so you've just completely ripped up the the playing field and you've completely it's a complete divergence in you know the the starting point for companies that are covid safe and companies that aren't and you know, there would potentially be, you know, a pro-free market argument to say, well, you know, these companies are adapting to it. But that's not entirely true when you think that we're going to have fucking restaurants in a year. Like, people aren't going to stop going to restaurants. People aren't going to stop... Seeing um, bands play and go well, see Seeing music. bands play. These are fundamental and, parts of society. That's not and, the market correction. And there's, there's all this uncertainty around when, but we're pretty confident that we'll get, I mean, at least in Australia, look... But, Here's why. Here's why it's even more unfair from an in, from an Australian setting, which is that all of these industries are actually functioning in some profitable way right now. Yeah, but it's just but, but, and and they are, they're actually surviving because in Australia things are regulated, but they're actually probably some of the most open in the world because we generally have a tolerance of we don't have any tolerance of the virus. We're pretty much virus free most of the time. Mm, mm. Every now and again, it leaks out of the out of the quarantine. So these businesses are totally ready to actually make money and and keep sustaining. Maybe just mm. with a little bit of help. Like mm. I actually think, if it was targeted um, in these current settings, businesses mm. could do really well. Like for example, some sort of insurance scheme for events and festivals would be potentially really low cost. And mm. really, really effective. Really help everyone in yeah. the industry. So, and know, what it's- what what happens if you don't have that in place? If you don't have some very clear cut insurance scheme that ties it to earnings, ties it to well, wages. Blues, Blues Fest, Blues Fest, well, yeah, got cancelled because one dude in a bar, like sort of around that country area, um, got was positive, and uh, Blues Fest had to be cancelled. We lost millions of dollars. Was- and it was yeah, you know. Whereas I reckon, if there, if the like, if you really cared about that is uh, Byron Bay and rural New South Wales, 
Blues Fest is one of the most important, most famous festivals in Australia. Yeah. And it's actually a really important cultural asset for that area and that local com- community mm-hmm. and that economy. Mm. It is worth, and and all those bands, it is, so, we, in my opinion, it's totally worth the government stepping in and yeah. trying to fix that. Well, if the government already that. has a policy position that, you know, respects Australian content and has content quotas and all that, you're, you've implicitly already said that you care about the arts. Australian in a way. bands? It, yeah, uh, it was all going to be. Australian government funds in the arts, and, you know, maybe we could get into an argument about that, but. The, at least the policy setting right now is that we care about that stuff. Do you now? I mean, it, it seems like we've bent over backwards to keep the AFL running, bent over backwards, keep the Australian Open running, on, uh, and all these all these great sporting events, and good. But how can you say it's fair that one organisation, by virtue of its scale, gets to keep going while the rest of them yeah. just suffer? Not, I think a lot of it's got to do with the, the corporate alignment. Yeah, that, no, I... I that, you know, and, and the broadcast rights and the fact that also music, you know, and, and events and these festivals tend to be more, um, I would say, highly, highly leftist kind of events, but also kind of loose leftist, you know, like kind of hippie, kind of, I don't know. I think rock and roll and going to a festival and taking drugs and, 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 and seeing music, this this whole way of life doesn't match the level of compliance i think governments are going to want from us forever so yeah i'm sorry absolutely i was starting to become dystopian again (laughs) well i was just thinking about as you were saying all about the alliance with big business it's you know the, the argument against against all these you know certain grants is that those grants inevitably go to constituents which have greater political sway we typically you know farmers big banks mining there are these interest groups and this is not just limited to australia it also happens in the states this way grants are inherently problematic is because they're not evenly implied like some insurance scheme would be that's that's targeted and proportionate to to loss and applies everywhere and universally so the the cares act in the states which was you know over two trillion saying four trillion here in this Washington Post article I'm looking at, almost half of it had gone to businesses that which in many cases were not required to show that they were impacted by the pandemic or keep workers employed. Right? So, you know, a totally disproportionate response to businesses who haven't suffered loss. So um and 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 why is that? Because politicians are politicians and they want to they want to keep lobby groups happy they want to get voted the next time and they have to they use they use a crisis to you know benefit those which will who will help them uh you know advance politically it's (laughs) it's a wonderful world yeah i mean we can get so okay arguments against what we're saying a good one that you can get from Keynes himself uh, is that when you do this sort of counter-cyclical fiscal policy, so this idea that the, so when the government comes in and spends a lot of money because the economy's gone to shit, right? So the government borrows all this money and gives it to people and gives it to businesses and gives tax breaks, and it's so that we don't go into a great depression and people starve, right? So it comes from comes from you know the twenties and the the Great Depression. It's twenties, Rob. Anyway, nineteen thirties. Um, 1930s. <laughs> so the guy who sort of was considered the father of this like policy of spending all the cash, his name's um, John Maynard Keynes, right? Keynes said 
that the waste, that when the government steps in and spends a shitload of cash all at once, it's always going to get ripped off, right? So um, there's nothing you can do about that. And his argument was that the amount of money that the government wastes is a better than the waste of people all losing their jobs if their jobs can be protected or whatever, you know. So mm. I, I, I understand and I'm willing to accept a level of uh, waste in broad policies, but broad right. policies are really yeah. important during these economic downturns. Do you know what I mean, yeah. Rob? So like, yeah. there's an extent that you just, you've got to cop, you know, like, yeah. But you, you can you, also you, do it in a flexible way that reduces that waste. So you can tie it, you can tie it to individuals. So individuals aren't going anywhere. You don't prop up a business. You don't prop up a job that could potentially not be there and you could be prolonging the, in, the you know, the inevitable. If it, if a job is going to fail, why put it on life support for two years? That's just costing the taxpayer everything. Taxpayers who are also consumers don't support that business. So you've got this huge loss where you're supporting – the taxpayers are supporting something that they wouldn't otherwise support. That's loss. But if you tie it to individuals and have some insurance scheme that's broadly tied to individual incomes, individuals are still going to be there. <laughs> like th- there's – there's loss in the sense that, you know, you might have to rejig, um, you know, you have to spend money, you have to come up with the programs. Um, but if you keep it broadly aligned with percentage of income lost, you're minimizing a lot of that waste. Yeah. I mean, it's just a question of can the system handle that administrative burden and with JobKeeper it did didn't it JobKeeper it forced all of so the JobKeeper scheme was this massive broad um, policy the government brought in basically the government was paying up to like $1,500 worth of people's wages as Mm. at a minimum Mm. um, a week Mm. was it a fortnight a fortnight rather so Mm. government Mm. started paying everyone's wages but to get that to get your wages paid by the government you had to show a huge loss and you had to get some statements together yeah Um, so, and it was, yeah, sorted out by the tax department. So, yeah, they've got the ability to be targeted. They pick and choose and they make sure they hand a shitload of money over to all of their fucking mates. Yeah. Absolutely. Abs- and, you, and you're just full of shit because, you know, the, ec- the economics of what they're doing stands up. Like, I, I, I understand the economics. Rob understands the economics. We both studied economics. This, we're not talking about the economics. We agree with the economics. Mm-hmm. It's just mm. so clearly not being targeted in a way to protect certain certain areas, like the actual small businesses, because they could do that too. They could do both, and they could save some on the broad, which they know is being exploited. You know, mm. any company up to five billion dollars revenue, like this is Australia. Yeah. That's fucking everyone, Rob. It's like it's like it was some outrageous figure. It was pr- nearly every single business in Australia. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, this yeah. is something that I'm fascinated by. To what extent are uh, any of these policies that get implemented during COVID and targeted for COVID going to outlive COVID, right? How many of these, how many of these write-offs are going to remain? How many of these subsidies are going to remain? These grants, these government bodies, anything like that. I mean, the analogy would be September 11 when we all went apeshit on security and decided we wanted more security in the Western world. And, you know, you, you can't, you can't go through an American airport without, Going nude in front of the uh, in front of the um, uh, the TSA officer, but surely that jihadist risk of a plane, you know, flying into the two towers isn't isn't the same. But you'll never 
you'll never reclaim what you lost and you'll never go back, really go back to, you know, pre-pandemic. And these policies will outlive it. And you, the reason, the the basis for these policies disappears, but they'll remain. And how is that something that people can properly, you know, support? I, I don't know. I don't know how long they can keep giving enormous asset write-offs and stuff and just carrying it forward and... You know, I said before that I studied economics, but I don't really understand how how governments are able to borrow like this theoretical amount of money. You know? Yeah, it's like modern it's monetary money, theorists. Yeah, monetary theory and all this stuff. So, so at this point, MMT, I, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I put my hand up and say I, I stopped understanding <laughs> sort of yeah. the universe, the 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 financial universe. Anyway, but the analogy for me that that I think sums up why MMT won't work is from Nassim Taleb who said inflation's like a sauce bottle. You know, you can you can shake it and not much can come out, but then as soon as you squeeze just that little bit more, you know, you've ruined your hot dog. <laughs> and uh, so happens with inflation. I mean, we're seeing it now in some sort of ways. You know, the, the Federal Reserve saw that you know, American inflation went up by 4% in the last quarter, and they were concerned about that because it was much higher than expectations. I mean, we'll see. Like, it, it could... It could, and the thing is, you don't. Once you've gone down this path of massive spending, massive print money, which you know, quantitative easing they call it, so everyone doesn't freak out, but printing money and it leads to inflation that's a runaway course that's not that easy to cut back, and that's terrifying. Well, that's what's supposed to happen, yeah. You've got more supposed- money chasing the same number of goods. It's going to yeah. boost up the price. Supposed to, supposed to do that. So I, I don't know. I, I don't believe anything anymore. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I reckon half the time all this fancy economic, <clears throat> economic stuff's just a way of pretending like you know what's going on. But yeah, do we, do we really yeah. know what's going yeah, on? Yeah, you Rob? would have been. <laughs> I've been so, rewatching Rake with Katie, right. and there's that there's that first episode where the uh, the cannibal is the famous economist and. Cleaver Green goes in there in the cross examination. He's like, "You and your, you and your free market buddies, you you missed it by a mile." And um, you know, then he then he breaks down and, and and shows that he's like a really innocent victim, but oh, he's an innocent predator. But um, the cannibal played by uh, <clears throat> Hugo Weaving was it? Yeah, yeah, and uh, but. Yeah, a lot of the models will will be incorrect, and uh, what do they say? A weatherman makes an economist look good because they can never predict the weather. Neither can a, an economist predict a crisis or forecast what whatever's going to happen. Yeah, but I think you can. Yeah, what what we're saying is the government and the state governments in particular have had twelve months to fucking buckle down, be good leaders, be organised, think ahead. And go, what kind of conditions do I need to create in Victoria as the fucking Premier to protect as many Australian businesses as I can that would otherwise be profitable from closing down due to the lockdowns that will necessarily eventuate? Lockdowns are going to happen. Let's get ahead. Let's plan. Let's protect businesses, protect mental health, protect people's wages. And what's old mate done? Fuck all. Fuck all. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's <laughs> you know it just isn't that hard the state yeah. the state government sit down with the 
together with the federal government and say, we would like a lot of cash, please. We would like to implement and set up, particularly through our councils, uh, really good ways of uh, of, of versions of lockdown insurance in the in the businesses that we've seen from previous lockdowns lose the most money, and it would be really fucking yeah. obvious, you know. And also, we believe in the longevity of the Australian tourism industry, and we're going to have to do something for tourism. It, it, and we're going to have to we're going to have to actually sort this out. Can you please actually give us the cash to do this? Yeah, and events, events. Well, well Qantas they, is clamoring. Yeah. They're they're really stepping up, offering yeah, well, absolutely uh, frequent flyer points to COVID vaccine. And why isn't this new lockdown in Victoria? Dude, what, the government subsidising. Yeah, the government subsidising half the cost of domestic flights. Yeah. <laughs> when in real, like when right? in reality, well, can you can you can you subsidise half the price of of, of the festival tickets? Yeah. And half the half the price of, of yeah. the donuts on the fucking local <laughs> corner fucking milk bar and half yeah. the fucking it's, you know it's, it's, yeah I it's mean like, it's just like it's just oh, trying no, to we, trying like, to push a car that's in break. I mean you're you're coming at it from two different angles. You're on the one hand shutting everything down and then you're, you're on the other hand just trying to pump money into it to open and it up. Rob, Rob, this is the point. This is the really important point. The cost of implementing such a measure that would, you know, provide more certainty and more protection mm. for the Australian hospitality and events industry in mm. and particularly in Victoria the, the cost of that wouldn't come close to this instant asset fucking write off yeah this is my point it's not actually that much money do yeah. you know what i mean yeah, it's, like, it's yeah. like it's like in th- for 3 weeks of trading you, you know i'm not saying you're going to reimburse people what they would have what those businesses would have made but when you've lost three weeks of trading, two weeks of trading, a whole weekend of trading, everyone takes a massive hit and yeah. they're not necessarily very wealthy people and they're not – and a lot of them are casual workers. So have some framework in place. It wouldn't have cost that much money. Disorganized, yeah. useless bunch of fuckwits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, when are Victorians going to – Victoria seems the only state to go back into these lockdowns. I mean, a few of the other states did it once or twice. But when when will Victoria move away from these, you know, really strict lockdowns considering people are getting vaccinated now? Maybe not as quickly as they would like, but even Lee Sales was making this point that, you know, it's, it's strange that we, you know, we know... We know people over the age of 60 are going to be using the healthcare system. They get COVID. A lot of these people are now vaccinated. Why can't we say that if X percentage of people above a certain age group are vaccinated, we don't need these strict snap knocked, snap lockdowns when there's, for international listeners, if you don't know, well, there was three cases today in Melbourne. It's not like, a, you know, you've got thousands of cases running in, running into the no, system. We have like 60 active cases or <laughs> 63 active cases. Most of those people were in hotels. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, <coughs> Rob, you know, I, I live here. I've been – I, I – People can decide for themselves if they think I'm reasonable, if I, you know, if I can comprehend <laughs> the yeah. events and interpret life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> functionally. That's up, that's up to, that's up to other people. But I feel like, you know, I have, I have my speculative, um, extremist brain and also have my like reasonable rational brain you know what 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 i could defend with in your head (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, well, well, I've won enough arguments in my day. <laughs> so I think I understand crap. what's what's a, I think I understand what a compelling case is. And I in my opinion, there's a lot of shit that we don't understand about in Victoria because other states have had snap lockdowns, Rob. And the key word is snap. As in they went to lockdown like straight away. Mm. Right? Now, I'm talking like Old mate works at a pizza shop. He's got COVID. He was delivering pizzas. The South Australian Premier, uh, I think this might have been South Australia or Western Australia. I think this case was South Australia. They find out about pizza man with COVID, you know, lying about having two jobs because he worked at the hotel security or whatever. (sighs) And they call a lockdown that evening, Rob, because South Australia, like the rest of Australia, is a zero cases state. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have none of it. it Except for New South Wales, right? Yeah. Well, no. A lot of the time, it's it's a lot of the time it's been zero transmission for mm. most of the states, right? right. For most right. of the last twelve months, Z- zero community transmission. Now they announced a lockdown that evening. It went for like two days. I think it might have even been a false alarm, and they they go on with themselves. Victoria, a few a few months ago, right? Some old mate got the fucking thing from the hotel. Caught up with a few people. That evening, rushed straight away, snap lockdown. I think it was five days and we got out of it. But it was announced mm. that night. Mm. Okay. What happened What happened last week? What happened last week? Monday, old mate has uh, he's got the virus. Fucking, I don't know. Probably hotel. Pretty sure it's hotel quarantine. And he's been in the community. Okay. Do we announce lockdown on Monday? No. Victoria doesn't do anything. Mm. Mm. Tuesday, Tuesday. Oh, now there's four cases, but it's okay. They're all close contacts, but we've had community transmission outside of the hotel quarantine. Are we locking down? No. Now, what the fuck? I remember, I remember being like, how are they? I'm like, I remember speaking to my brother and I'm going, I'm like, are they going to, are they going to, are we moving on from this zero world? Maybe we're not yeah. going to be the zero. Yeah. Maybe we're not going to be the zero to be, world starting anymore. starting to be proportionate. Yeah. Because cause if you were going to be zero, you would lock this down, you know, mm. because getting mm. to zero by the time it all yeah. spirals They're out of control. They're trying to have it both ways. They're trying to have it both ways. Rob, what the fuck? Day three. Day three. Oh, here's another fucking 10 cases. Oh, on day three, they're like, yeah, look, it's really spread. It's going to be a problem. So we're going to announce a one-week lockdown, and it's going to start tomorrow, six o'clock. Right? So then you give everyone a, a whole nother night to go be a bunch of dickheads, go everywhere, and the next day. Now, again, once we announced the snap lockdown, the snap lockdown that took four fucking days, it's not a snap lockdown, it's a sloth lockdown, right? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> they, they announced the lockdown, and uh, now they can whinging about, oh, there's 350 exposure sites and... Hey, Rob, how many exposure sites do you reckon there would have been if they had announced a lockdown on fucking Monday night or Tuesday? Well, just the one, right? You right, how many exposure sites would there have been? On the first been? day. Yeah, yeah old mate day, and his close one. contacts. Yeah. Right? So there probably could have been 50 exposure sites. And this lockdown that's been announced for a week, another week, so they so they shut down all of the Victorian businesses, like the most harsh, intense lockdown you can have. 
like you know, you know, ten k, five k's from your house, or I'm not allowed to go to my studio, <laughs> which is why I'm in such a good fucking mood, right? So, right, I, can't, I mean, this I can't, is, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, so I can't play. Stuff, my, yeah. I can't even. I can't even play my drums on my own. All the I've lost all my shifts basically at this new job I got. This restaurant is fucked. This restaurant that just opened, this beautiful Indonesian restaurant, they've now shut. They've just opened. Like, how much Deliveroo do you expect? You yeah. know, Uber Eats. Like, everyone's going to get Maccas yeah. and stuff. Like, it's it's. And, you know, Deliveroo, Uber Eats, these things take more than a third of what these people make. So, Well, this goes back even- to my point previously. They, these are <sighs> these are COVID amplified businesses, yes. right? Or, or the so online the big businesses business, that are big, already Small businesses. From it, yeah. Small businesses get destroyed. Yeah. All of the venues yeah. that I play, my, play music at. Like, yeah. it's just, um, I, what I mean, do people expect? Yeah. What do people expect these traders to do? And, real, and yeah. how the fuck the government doesn't feel like if you're actually going to hold the state to to this target of zero cases, then you've got to call the lockdown early. Oh, someone said to me yesterday, they were like, oh, but you know, maybe they just wanted to give them an extra 24 hours instead of announcing it that night like everyone else had done, like Victoria had done, to success, to success. Um, you know, they wanted to give businesses an extra 12 hours to prepare. I'm like, Mate, what is the point of getting an extra 12 hours to prepare for your own fucking funeral, Rob? You don't want it. You want to, you want to skip Armageddon. You know, yeah. some of these restaurants, mate, if they That's not a standard that they've if, held themselves to anyway. Mate, the difference between copying three weeks or four weeks of full lockdown in Victoria for some of these traders to the one week or to the four days yeah. or the three days yeah. that they could have made it. You can take the enormous. cost of not being prepared. <laughs> Mate, yeah. some of these people, if they cop four weeks, you're going to walk away and you're going to give up and you're going to be so, your mental health is going to be so triggered by the amount of unpredictability to your whole life and your whole business. That is mm-hmm. a very stressful place to, to be living in. And again, if the government was serious about helping Otherwise, functional small businesses, they would have found a way to provide security and at least some base level of insurance for these sort of episodes. And it's a fucking disgrace they fucking haven't. And instead, they've handed a crazy amount of money to major fucking corporations, as usual. Wow. Thanks for that. (laughs) Got it all out. And I I missed my drum kit. (laughs) <laughs> the thing that I want to know, and I, I didn't even live there, but at least you would want to know how how long is this going to go for? When is the point of? I mean, Australia is going to have COVID at some point. You're going when to have do to we walk? Your, when have to when do we borders. walk away you're going to have from to zero? Get rid of quarantine, yeah. exactly. What are going to be some isolationists? There's a, there's a cost to isolationism. <laughs> Australia is going to be an outpost again. The land of zero. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know when we walk. I imagine it'll be some, my guess is it's some tipping point in, yeah. in vaccinations or yeah. whatever, but it's like- A tragic outpost is what I mean. You know, I'm not even, and this is the thing. It's like, you know, Rob, at times, you know, you and I have have uh, have expressed an argument of being very anti-lockdown, you could, you, you could say. And at this moment right now, there, there's not a discussion. You and I are having a discussion around- whether things should be locked down or not. We're, we're, right. All we're saying is if you're going to be that, zero, if you're going, if, you, if you're going to be zero and you're going to force everyone through the really painful cost of what it takes to be zero COVID, uh, you better fucking pay for it or at least 
do that in a reasonable way. And this is what I don't understand, Rob. And this is why I no longer have any faith or trust in any of the information we're being given. Why did the Victorian government not lock it down earlier? Are you seriously telling me that the, these people who earn $300,000 a year, you know, in the, these government departments, I know people who work in government departments, they're smart people. Are you seriously telling me they didn't know that if we were still committed to zero, that four days was going to create a way bigger problem than doing a lockdown on the first day? Are you seriously telling me these people are that stupid? Because, you know, they're not. So what the fuck happened? And then also, why isn't this the biggest media storm ever? Why? It's it's like I'm, I'm reading the news every day and it's whack. It's like it's so different. And it's like where is this? Hey, guys. What has been normalized? Uh, what about Tuesday? What about Monday? Like, What about Wednesday? Yeah. Like, yeah. um, so now I'm just like – and when I talk to reasonable people about it, they're like, yeah, no, nah, we all knew we were going into lockdown. They should have just declared it early. It's like, yeah. It's like, but, it's like these early days, the whole – it's like everything they said to us about when they were announcing lockdown from a piece of information, they would get like a piece of information on in the afternoon and then there'd be a lockdown that evening. And this happened in virtually every state in Australia. And there was this whole explanation for, we've just got to do it really quickly. We, like, if, if we can just get on top of it in two, three days, we can come out of this and it'll, it'll, we'll be back to where we are. We're protecting what we've earned, all this, all this rhetoric. And then all of a sudden for four days in Victoria, Rob, that was gone. And yeah. we had community transmission without actually implementing a lockdown. I don't understand. And no one has given me a proper explanation of, of why there was this attitude change in those four days. And well, I'm just- <laughs> Dan Andrews, if you're listening, buddy, you have an open invite onto the pod with me and Jules. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you explain yourself. Uh. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I mean, you make a logical point. I mean, your your logic like, isn't your logic isn't wasted on me. I don't know what to tell you, sure? Jules. <laughs> exactly. So, so where I've ended up, where, where I've ended up, which I think is the only place you can end up, which is is there's there's information that I don't have and that we don't have. Yeah. And so this whole thing is bullshit. <laughs> and I've, 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 I've and this is why I said to, I was like I've become. Uh, like, you know, even for me, this new place is very fringe because mm. I, I feel, I feel, uh, I feel rudderless. Like normally, I, I feel fixed to yeah. some sort of deep suspicion. You know, I'm like, oh, it's the Chinese, or oh, it's, it's <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. constantly, Big um, business, yeah. you know, switching between conspiracy theories. But this, this is <laughs> at this point, <laughs> at this point, I don't, I don't know if I have a conspiracy theory. I'm just. At a deep level, confused. <laughs> I don't understand anymore. I, you know, I mean, you're, you're maybe they're maybe they're in, trying to just, just put to, it to incompetence. Oh, no, they can't be this incompetent. No, they they knew that the longer they took to shut it down, mm. if the expectation's actually to be zero, then you've just, you've 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 set the state up to have, you know, they could have watched economic, economic disaster for for weeks. Yeah. They could have just hoped that they were moving to a proportionate response, realized it was out of hand, and then just just had to redo. I mean, I, I don't, I don't expect them to be completely consistent. They're going to change it on a whim anyway. You're pretending that 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 their reasoning is programmed, and they have there's no human infallibility, or uh, sorry, there's no human fallibility, or there's no bias or prejudice or emotion that goes into it. 
the Richard Feynman quote, um, rule number one, don't fool yourself. Rule number two, you're the easiest person to fool. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, it's just you have this uh, sequential set of um, incompetencies and and I reckon that's favourable. That's a favourable interpretation. (laughs) But let's take it. Let's say, oh, the situation in Melbourne is just uh, blaming this government, you know, a little human error here, human error there, human error here. But it's like, I think it's got more to do with incentives and the the people who actually uh, end up getting hollowed out of the economy and where they sit and h- how how aligned government is to their interests is the determining factor in who actually uh, is going to go broke and who closes down and who doesn't. And obviously there will be these really smart, inventive people and that's great and they'll they'll always you know there'll always be struggles for inventive people to to think through but mm. you know this is this is like economic persecution you know to some degree for certain industries and you know the state government if it's if they just made an error and, oh we we misread it sorry you know it's like we decided to you know see how far we could extend nuclear Fucking Armageddon and oh, we overstretched that one. It's like, fuck you. Like you you call the two down. Just call it. Oh, shit. Okay, I lost two days of training. I lost Monday and Tuesday. All right. I'd be you, like, that's going to cost them money. But it's like I would, you, you would so much rather lose Monday and Tuesday than lose three to four weeks of trading, Rob. Three to four weeks of trading with no guarantee uh, that you're going to get help. So yes, you shut down and you over you overdo it, like every state government had done up to that point, including Victoria. It's not human error. There was a decision to extend the amount of risk. There was a clear change <laughs> to the amount of risk they're willing to take. And then, for whatever reason, it was like, oh shit, actually no, we're zero. We want zero. So uh, there's yeah, and or or let's. Pretend like we can make this look like we overshot ourselves and we want four more weeks of destruction for Victorian small businesses. And may- maybe we're getting butted up and being made really cheap, fat, cheap, cheap stock for someone to come and buy, Rob. Maybe that's what this is about, you know? <laughs> Who knows? And we'll let everyone, we'll let everyone think about that. <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> I think, the, I think the, you got you got your point out there, and what do you say? We leave it at that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> See everyone. I think they're all insane. And one final thing: if you enjoyed this episode, please spread the word and let your friends and family know about it. And also, if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and notification bell. See you next time.